0: Greetings, Echo family. A mid-March welcome from a not-so-springy, Minnesota. But there is a spring in my step, David. (laughs) She's a leprechaun. (laughs) Online family, we have a good one for you today. Our friend, Carrie Garcia, is in the house. Buckle up and get ready to be challenged
1: at the heart level and how envy has the ability to erode your soul.
0: Indeed. Did you know that ECHO could be your place, your people, and your purpose Mm -hmm. all in one space? It's beautiful.
1: so beautiful. (laughs) We encourage you to take your first steps into this life-giving local church and
0: find the community and the support that you've been hoping for. Let us know that you're out there or stop on by on Sunday. We would love to connect with you. Echo Friends, we want to invite
2: you to participate in our yearly time of fasting and praying. Yeah. We believe in obeying the biblical model of saying no to one thing in order to make space to say yes to God. Please consider
0: joining the Echo family as we seek God first for 21 days of... For 21 days? Yes. Starting March 27th. Yeah. And lastly, thank you for your generosity
1: and thank you for the giving of your tithe. 10% of your income has worship to God and His kingdom work. If you're looking to give, head to our website. Text any amount to eight four three two one. Enjoy Echo Online Service. Do it! Do it! Do it! Enjoy it. Uh, oh,
3: oh, oh, oh! I call You Maker. You give life in eternity. Spike, I call you healer You can mend any broken heart I call you faithful father You finish everything, you start My soul was made to respond I know you're by great I am. You're the king forever, the beginning and the end. You are Lord our servant. You're the son of man. You're the lion of Judah. You're the risen Of praise this morning Father you've given us a million ways to worship you today Jesus. Oh. Jesus Father we thank you for this morning for these people here this morning Jesus we just surrendered ourselves this morning to you Jesus
2: Praised. may your name be praised higher than any other name that there is may Jesus Christ be lifted high not only in this space but in our hearts in our minds in our everyday ordinary life Jesus we lean into you today
1: Uh, but very glad that I get to be here with you guys today and kick off the series. I mean, it's going to be great. Talking about emotions, we love that. <laughs> oh, no? Okay. <laughs> great. Awesome. Um, Yeah, my name's Carrie Garcia. I've actually been here a few times, which has been amazing. I was here not too long ago and had the privilege of bringing the Freedom Academy here, which is a thing that I do. Um, And we travel all around the nation and it's three days where we just dive into, okay, how do we like love people around us well? Uh, what's keeping me from doing that? And what's kind of coming up inside of me? Where do I need to heal? But not so that I can just heal, but so that I can help free the people in my world. And so we really do that believe that free people, free people. Yes, hurt people, hurt people, for sure. We see that, very clear. Uh, but free people do free people. And so we actually get to come back here in October and we're gonna do another Freedom Academy here. Thank you to the two that are in it, especially Christy, because she's signed a contract, so all that. <laughs> no, we really are excited, and this is just a testimony to where your church is going. Um, did you know that uh, trauma affects, um, when you're in the midst of trauma, you actually don't know you're in the midst of trauma. Your body kind of powers down, and you're actually, the, the right side of your brain goes offline, and you just kind of just move, or left side of your brain goes offline, and you just kind of move to get through, and then what happens is, after it's over, then your body responds. So we are coming up, you, you know, on the next two years, three years, four years, we don't even know how long, of what it's gonna be like for people after the dust is settled, if it ever settles, and they're gonna be inside their bodies and they're not gonna know what to do. Um, so we're going to see, and we're already seeing it, alcoholism, suicidal ideation, divorce, drug addiction, porn addiction, it's all coming out. (laughs) And it's because we have these coping mechanisms. And so the fact that your church is saying, hey, I want to talk about this stuff. I want to talk about our emotions and how do we begin to become more like Jesus? Um, I'm just so proud. I'm so proud that you're willing to dive into this. And when they said, we're talking about emotionally healthy spirituality, (laughs) I'm your girl. I want to talk about this. This is what I spend my whole life doing. So we are going to, we're just going to pray and allow the Holy Spirit. I have a message for you today that is like, it's like for the churches that are ready. Like when I go to certain churches, you know, I'm a little softer. I'm a little like song and dance, tickle yours a little bit. Like I ease you in. There's no easing you in. Okay. We're just going there because you guys are ready. You're ready to heal. You're ready to, you want, you want the truth because the truth sets us what? Free, right? Good, good job. Okay, well done, Andy. You're doing good um, discipling these people. Uh, and, and so we want to, we want to, we want the truth. And I'm going to give you the truth, and it's going to be amazing. And it might be a little challenging. And that's good because we can't stay the same. We want to get better, right? So let's pray that God would prepare our hearts. God, we know that you are here in this room. We don't want to play church, we don't want to check a box. We don't just want this to be, you know, two nice songs, a solid, somewhat solid message, and then, you know, another song at the end and we're just off with our day. That's actually not what our hearts desire. We may do that, but our hearts desire your presence. We want to know that we're safe and that we belong with you. We want to know that you care about the innermost parts of us. In a world that has shaped us, not for the better, Would you help bring us back to the God that has formed us all those many years ago? So be with me today, God, as your word speaks. Whatever is from me, God, I would just ask that they just wouldn't even remember it. But whatever you have to speak to their heart, that this would be the message they take with them. Challenge us, Lord. Let us not leave here the same. In Jesus' name, amen. So when I was in junior high, I was such an awkward junior hire. like I wanted to be cool so bad. I wanted to be popular. I wanted to be cool. But as in junior high, like bodies, bodies change at all different kinds of rates, right? You've got like the dude in there with like five o'clock shadow at noon and he's like 12. (laughs) And you're like, what's happening? And then you have the other one that looks like he's still in third grade, you know? And same with girls. Well, when I was in junior high, there was a girl in my school. Her name was Carly Charisma. That was actually her name. And she lived up to the name. She was stunning. She was, she had blossomed, let's just say, a little earlier than some of us. (laughs) She was like full-blown woman. Just showing up. I mean, this woman now, I know looking back, this is not cool. But when you're in eighth grade, somehow this is cool. And it's so inappropriate. But she had a boyfriend that drove. Right, I know. Nowadays we're like, that is, that's not even funny, Carrie. We're not even laughing at that. But when I was in eighth grade, I was like, she has a boyfriend that has a car? Like, I don't even remember to brush my teeth in the morning. And she has a boyfriend that has a car? She was so cool. She had like, you know, she just had like the waist and the hips and she'd walk in and it was like she'd walk into class and the wind was just like blowing. She always kind of had like a squint. Who knows why? But it was like the sun was too bright. Like she was like, oh, hey, you know, she and she would sit down and just like, (laughs) you know, and everyone was like Carly, right? She looked like Jessica Rabbit, like just walking in. Meanwhile... I'm like Spongebob Squarepants walking in, like just a straight box, two little legs, like just walking in. Pony, because it's the 80s, like a, a high pony on the side, but could never get it quite right. Like it would start up here, but then by the end of the day, it was just coming out of here. I just could never get it. And makeup was hard for me. I, I, it was the 80s, so it was like blue eyeshadow, but just there's no contouring, just straight blue, hot pink lipstick, because blue and pink match so why not put it on my face? You know, just walking around, and I just wanted to be her so bad. And the reality is I couldn't. Like, no matter how many A-line dresses I got to try to bring my waist in, I was not going to be Carly Charisma. So instead of being her, I was just gonna hate her. It was easier for me to be like, well, I mean, look at Carly, like, look at her toe, ew. That's disgusting. Oh my gosh, she wore those sandals today. Who even wears those sandals anymore? Right? Like if I can't be her, then I want to hate her. Because she makes me feel my dissatisfied heart. She makes me feel, and it's not her fault. But she is the outcome of what I want to be and I can't have it. And therefore, since I can't have it and can't take it, I'll just hate it. And this is so much of what we do and it doesn't spring out because we're just these evil horrible people like in junior high i I mean i just wasn't evil i i I mean i've never been evil i hope not i've partnered with evil i'm not gonna lie (laughs) but really truly this was rooted in an environment in my home where i wanted to belong I wanted to be a part of something, I wanted to feel safe, I wanted the safety and security of what I thought popularity was going to bring me, of what Carly's looks were going to bring me. A week ago, I've been traveling a ton, and a week ago, I was back in my hometown where I actually grew up, and Carly Charisma came to my message. And I gave a similar message to this, a little different, I changed it up for Echo, but I was giving this illustration, and I had to change it, because Carly Charisma is in the front seat. And she still walked in the back room like still so pretty. And I'm just like, but I didn't feel that because I've I've done a lot of work. Jesus is good. I'm a child of God. I feel good. I got hips now. And she came in and sat down and, and we've actually been friends for a really long time. And as she's sitting in the front row, she's just weeping because her husband just had a massive heart attack and died her kids are have had covid and it's been really touch and go and they're still like still residual her life is in shambles her heart is broken she was envying me i want your marriage i want my husband back i want kids that aren't sick it was so interesting sitting there and seeing what the enemy does when a heart's not tended to how it will turn so quickly on itself. And what I want to talk about today is around this idea of what we're really wired for. Like God, all of those years ago in the garden wired us for connection with each other, wired us to bear one another's burdens, to actually be for each other rather than against each other. But there is a very real enemy, right? That comes in and begins to say, you need to take what they have. If you take what they have, you will feel better. So when we're talking about emotionally healthy spirituality, we need to start looking at the root, the roots of what's keeping us from really presenting before the Lord the fullness of our hearts. We desire belonging and we desire to be loved and we desire safety, but our dissatisfied hearts are ruling our actions. They begin to rule our minds and rule how we love. We want fulfillment and we think that if we can just grab it, take it, then somehow we'll fill it. We will fill the void in our heart. I want to take us all the way back into some of our er stories. And er, I mean like beginning. I've said this many times in the places that I go, but I'm so glad you're here, but you're not the only one here. Your parents are in this room. Your grandparents are in this room. Their grandparents are in this room. You have countries represented in this room, cultures represented in this room. And through all of those stories, you have been shaped by a world that is severely broken. And we have forgotten the God that has formed us often. So when we look at our story, when we look at the word of God, especially Genesis chapter one through chapter 12, that's like our beginning stories. That's where we come from. And we need to understand what was rooted there and what has come down generationally to us. It gives us this insight into the human heart. Somehow we read this Bible and we try to devoid or take out humanity from it. Like it's a bunch of like people like, like Paul, he's just so great in figuring it out. Paul wanted to go to heaven. He wanted to be done. He had a thorn in his flesh. He was deeply lonely. Yes, he loved God, but he has a story. He's human. He experienced dissatisfaction. That's why him and Peter got into it. There was envy within Paul. Of course. So what do we do with these places of our heart that are dissatisfied? And what does God have to say about it so early on? I'm gonna take you to Genesis 4. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. But in Genesis 4, this is right outside of the garden. Adam and Eve have sinned. They're kicked out of the garden. Satan thought they were gonna die. They didn't. God still is for them. But they now have to taste death. The door of Eden is closed. Eden was great. They were naked, running around, no shame. They were loving it. Now they're just, there's shame, still communication with God, but brokenness, right? And in verse, or in chapter four, we see that Eve has a couple of sons. You may, have, you may know this story, but we're going to really break it down. In the course of time, uh, now uh, she has given birth to a brother named Abel, and now Abel became a shepherd of flocks, but Cain worked the ground. Verse 3, in the course of time, Cain presented some of the land's produce as an offering to the Lord, and Abel also presented an offering. Some of the firstborn of his flock and the fat portions. The Lord had had regard for Abel and his offering, but he did not have regard for Cain and his offering. Cain was furious, and he looked despondent. Some translations say depressed, disengaged, heartbroken, upset, angry. The Lord said to Cain, why are you furious? And and why do you look so despondent? If you do what is right, won't you be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. Its desire is for you but you must rule over it. As I'm looking at this scripture and I'm kind of seeing this root that's beginning to come up in Cain. Now, we don't know exactly what happened, but we do know human behavior and this has been going on for a while. He has been upset, envious, frustrated at God and his brother, his brother has the better gifts. I don't even know what Cain's thinking, but uh, why does he get to do the, the, the fields and the flocks? And why, do I, why am I stuck with the vegetables? You know, I don't want that. I want what he has. He's got it better. And if I had that, I would have favor with you, God. And he begins to get upset and it starts to stew in his belly. And the stewing is this dissatisfaction that somehow he is not right. Somehow he needs to be better. Somehow he needs to take what Abel has to fulfill his longing and broken heart. But God, God of the Old Testament, by the way, because I know we have a thing with him. God of the Old Testament pursues Cain, comes to Cain. Doesn't speak about his behaviors, actually engages his emotions. Begins to say, Why are you feeling this way? What's going on? What's coming up for you? I see that you're sad. I see that you're frustrated. Let's talk about it. And then he begins to say, and God says, Don't you know if you do what is right, you'll be accepted? And I got kind of hung up on this because I grew up my whole life thinking if I just act right, if I just do the right things, then everything will be fine, and I will have a happy life, and abundance will be for me, and I will avoid pain and frustration, so I will just be in the Lord's army. I may never march in the infantry. Anyway, Uh, yeah, okay. There's three of us that were Christians when we were young. (laughs) which is a testimony to all of you coming in here. Welcome. Yes. I love that. But I was taught that you just need to do right. And when I look at this and I'm going, Jesus, God, I, I, I'm, I'm confused. You're asking him to do right. Now, God does ask for some behavior, but the behavior, a lot of behavior, but the behavior comes out of a transformed heart. It comes out of being tended to It's a natural reoccurrence of something that is the outflow, the overflow of attended to heart. We just act in these ways. But but he's already done what he's supposed to do. Cain's already given the offering. He's already done the thing. He's already done the behavior. What's God talking about? When God is looking at him, he's saying, look, do what's right. Come to me with what's going on in here. He's not talking about his behavior. He's actually talking about the deeper parts where man looks at the outside and what we do, but God knows the depths of our hearts. No one grows up and starts at eight years old and thinks, I can't wait to grow up and be a drug addict. I can't wait to grow up and get divorced or have an affair or be addicted to porn. Nobody grows up and does that. They don't do that at eight. You want to be an NBA star, right? You want to be a ballerina or like me, be on Oprah. You know, that's what those are our dreams, And somehow along the way, we start to get the taste of a very broken outside of the garden experience. Where our bodies and our hearts long for the goodness of Eden, we are tasting the brokenness of the wilderness. We are dissatisfied. God knows this. God understands you have emotions. You were made in the image of God. That's why I like reading the Old Testament because he's just, he gets, he's such a frustrated parent. (laughs) He gets angry at his kids and I'm like, thank God, you wanted to wipe him out too. That's so, I feel so seen. He doesn't. Thank God. Moses is like, hey, you made a covenant. He was like, I'm gonna take him out. We, we, We don't think of it like this. He's emotional. He's emotive. You want to be more like Christ. You want to be more like Jesus. But the whole world is telling you to stuff your emotions and just do your behaviors. And if I can be even more pushy about it, the church does this. Show up, know Jesus, serve, but avoid anything you filter the world that shaped you. Because behold, I am a new creation. The old is gone. I'm new. That's out of context. (laughs) Paul is talking about his now purpose, not his sanctification or his story. So when we look at this, we go, what is God doing here? God is approaching Cain's emotions. He's saying, come, let's talk about this. Won't you be accepted? I I want to talk with you. Here's what he's saying. Your emotions are not too big for me. They're not too much for me. I know you're mad at me. Let's talk about it. I know you're depressed and despondent. But he starts to give him a warning, doesn't it? Doesn't he? He starts to say, look. Do what's right, come to me, bring this to me, let's talk. But if you don't, sin is crouching at your door, ready to take you out. The other day, I've been gone a little bit. I try not to travel as much these days because my daughter is 11 and and she needs me right now. (laughs) She needs my presence, my physical proximity. But sometimes I have to travel and I've been gone on and off quite a bit get to be home. I get to end with echo on emotional spirituality. Yes. And go be with her. But I was home for a few days and I got her up in the morning, getting her ready for school. And she is just, she cannot gather her tears. She is just crying and crying. And I'm like, you know, she's a little emotional. I've no idea where she got that from, but she's a little emotional. (laughs) She's very in touch with her emotions, but she didn't know why she was crying. I could not calm her down. I'm holding her. I'm hugging her. I'm pleading with her. I'm kind of starting to get angry with her. She's got to go to school. You got to go to school. I don't know what to tell you. You got to go to school. Like, like, it's against the law. Like, you got to go to school. And she's like, I can't. I can't do it. I can't, you know. She can't get it together. My husband and I had a meeting at work. My husband's taking her to school. She's on the phone with me the whole time. I'm praying with her on the phone. Honey, if, you, if it keeps getting worse, just call me. I'll come get you. But let's just try. You know, I'm trying all the things. She starts to calm down and my husband starts to walk her in and she just loses it. And so my husband Mario calls me and he's like, I don't, I don't know what to, I said, she did, this is not worth it. School is not this important. Her heart is far more important than checking a box and having her go to school. I'm like, let's meet up at Starbucks, get her, because who does, da- Starbucks. <laughs> Plus, selfishly, I was like, I'm on my way there. <laughs> Let's get her a, a chocolate croissant, strawberry asai. sit down, have a conversation, and just check in. What's going on? What are you feeling? She started to get worried, like, i got to go to school. I said, no, you don't. This is what's most important. You're more important than things or school or anything else. How's your heart? And we just began to chat, It's about an hour, and after that she looked and she said, I'm ready to go to school, okay, let's go. I could have missed a moment because my daughter's tears make me uncomfortable. My daughter's tears make me feel like I'm a bad mom. My daughter's tears make me feel like I've lost control. My daughter's fears, tears intimidate me. There's a myriad of reasons that I could have avoided that. I also don't want to look bad in front of her teachers. So my daughter's tears can humiliate me. So I had to make a choice. And this is the heart of a father. Look, I don't want you on your own having to deal with the heartache of this world, even when you can't put words to it. I actually want to sit with you and give you a chocolate croissant and a strawberry acai and just ask you where you're at, what's going on? I see this is going on. If I would have missed this moment, and I have missed moments, it's where the enemy is crouching, right? He's waiting for your heart that needs care and tenderness to not be met in that, and he pounces. And this is what God is giving a warning to Cain. Cain has a choice. Will you surrender and open up your heart to me and let us have a conversation? Or will you indulge your emotions, push me out, and take matters into your own hands? Envy is what sprouts. We like to call it comparison because that's nicer. We like to put memes about it. Like, don't compare How about don't be envious because it's actually demonic versus James 13 through 14, chapter (laughs) 3. That's what he says. Let me give you an illustration here or an understanding of the difference between jealousy and and envy. So I think you need to understand what we're working. They're very close. Jealousy, I have something and I don't want you to take it. Envy. You have something, and I want to take it. The difference is is that jealousy is actually sometimes, not always, but sometimes used in a good light, like jealous God, right? I am a jealous God. I want to protect you. I don't want anyone to take you. And we can see that envy, never. Never associated with God, never in light of goodness. It is always associated with demonic activity. So good morning. Welcome. Isn't this a fun conversation? it gets better, but not yet. Envy. Envy is the breeding ground for the enemy to pull you away from God's love and God's care. Envy makes you take matters into your own hands. I'm going to control this. I'm going to make things fair. I'm going to seek justice on my own behalf. Envy drives you away from the very thing you're wanting. Intimacy, belonging, and care. It's a false sense. And it whispers to you, if you just had what she had, you would be loved. It whispers to you the moment you walk into the house and you're so excited because you made it onto the band and your father looks at you and says, only wussies play in the band. You should be playing sports. You're a lesser man. Envy starts to rise up when you walk into the house because you made it on the cheerleading team and you put on your outfit and your mom looks at you and says, you look a little chubby in that. You see, we don't want envy, but then the whisper comes, don't let anyone ever hurt you. Don't ever feel anything. Just shove it down and keep going take what they have. And if you can't take what they have, hate them for it. We don't even realize we're doing it because envy is everywhere. It's in our marriages, it's in our social media. We were envied by our parents. And sometimes we envy our children. We don't wanna talk about this because we go, no, 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 our parents were great and I'm a good parent. And the reality is we're flawed and broken and so stunningly beautiful. But if we don't face the reality of what we're, what, what's going on in the trueness of our heart, we actually can't heal. I have the most amazing husband. He is like the best dad. He is such a good husband. He is a better human than me, by far. I'm so thankful I got to marry him. And honestly, I'm not too shabby. I mean, he's pretty lucky too. <laughs> but when I'm gone, And I come back, the kids are in a mode of asking daddy for things, and so they keep asking daddy and I'm standing right there. And I start to feel like a bad mom. I start to feel like I'm not good enough. They're going to dad and not me. See, I have gone too much, I've ruined them, and and really the reality is you're not good enough, you're flawed, that's the whisper, right? And that goes so far into my story as a little curl. But I look at my husband and I'm like, man, they love him so much, he's doing so good. And although I totally respect him, because of my own flawed woundedness that I won't allow to be tended to before the Lord, what do I do? I try to make him smaller. So I say little cutting things like, oh, you're doing the dishes again? We're all trying to sit here. You can't just be with us. That's ridiculous that you would go up there and say prayers with them. They've already had prayers three times. Why do you have to keep going up there? I want to make him smaller because I envy his goodness. Ah, I hate that about me. And yet, what's underneath? What's underneath is a God whispering and saying, come to me, Carrie. Because this place that you feel inadequate as a mom goes all the way back to the little girl that had to be a mom for herself, that wasn't nurtured and you're so desperate to not do what your mom did to you that you're in a spinning cycle to have to be a better mom. I wanna put your heart at rest. Won't you be accepted? I don't need you to be better, Carrie. You are not a problem to be solved. You are a story to be held. This is how God approaches everyone. He doesn't see the sin first. He sees the story. Jesus, time and time again, sees the story before he even addresses the sin. He connects before he corrects. That's a Freedom Academy freebie. It's beautiful. So what happens when envy begins to take root? It feeds the lie that we're in control. We are not in control. I don't know where you've been for the past two years but we are not in control. And it has been very clear that we are not in control. And the reality is, nobody is. (laughs) As much as they've tried to control, humans don't like to be controlled. It's been very clear. And then others just really love to control other people. (laughs) It's just all, it's crazy. It's a dumpster fire. It's just been an actual dumpster fire. And then we finally start getting out of it, and then we're back in it. And then we're polarized against each other because you're wearing a mask and I'm not. Because you're vaccinated and I'm not. And because, you know, I I believe this politically and I don't believe this politically. And we're infighting and it's become so envious. And it's rooted. Why? Because our hearts are freaking out. We are scared and dissatisfied. Our bodies long for Eden and it's not happening and we don't know how to make sense of it. But no one's ever taught us that we can come to the Lord and say, I am actually terrified. As I'm talking about Ukraine with my family, my little 11 year old daughter is hearing it and her bed is on the floor and I come in to say goodnight and do prayers. She has her little, her little stuffy and her blanket and she's laying there in her eyes. She looks at me. She goes, mommy, I'm scared. So what are you scared about? Are we gonna be bombed? And I said, no, honey, no. No, what's going on? I'm so scared. And I just laid with her and I began to hold her and the truth is, I can't tell her that it's all gonna just be okay. So I don't know what it's gonna be like on this earth. Now she's 11, so I just said it's gonna be okay. But the reality is, We're no different than Roma. We're no different in our 11 year old little hearts that haven't been taught how to tend to the places of our emotional intelligence. So we want our marriages to be better and we don't know how to connect. We want our children to love us and respect us but we don't know how to hold their story. We want our friendships to thrive but we don't actually know how to show up honestly. So we just keep on this cycle of behavior modification and control, trying to make sense of our world, hoping that it's going to be okay, hoping our government will somehow be good. It's not good anywhere. Flawed people, all of us. Flawed churches. Flawed people. One good God, right? So the control is an illusion, and envy begins to tell you you can control this if you can just mitigate your emotions and control your behavior. You'll be fine. How you doing? We're not doing good. It gives you the lie and continues to cloud reality and the truth, making you a very puppet to the enemy that you don't even want to be close to. But you wake up one day and you realize that envy has been pulling the strings and the hand is the enemy that's holding you up. You envy the goodness in your spouse and somehow it brings shame upon you and instead of engaging them or getting honest with them or actually trying to tell the truth, you stay up late and open the computer and try to find satisfaction in a place that feels so shame-filled and degradating to your beautiful, good body. We're going to talk about this. We have to talk about this because this is not getting better. Hearts are not healing. We know this statistically, but God is raising up a remnant. To actually say, will you sit with my people and not try to fix them, but please hold them? because they can barely make it into their classrooms or their offices or their churches or their homes and they're about to have a breakdown and everyone just says, keep going, God's got it, he's good. And the reality is, you just want someone to pause and say, hey, let's go have some Starbucks. Let's just sit. And the truth is, this is what God wants. Very quickly here, I wanna let you know that this whole idea of envy ultimately brings around shame and breaks the very intimacy that you're longing for. So what do we do? Is there good news, Carrie? Does this wrap up well? I'm, just, I'm going to lunch, and this is a lot. It does. It does. But friends, you cannot skip the death of Friday, the burial of Saturday, and just have Sunday in your life. It doesn't work. If you want to follow the heart of Jesus, then you have to understand you have to follow his steps too. And he had to die to the things of this world so that you could be free. You have to die to the things that are breaking your heart. Bring them before the Lord. See them. Hold them. Allow them to come into the light. What was in darkness has to come into the light so it can be exposed and tended to. This is the only way. I grew up, you accept Jesus. You know you're a sinner. Fiery pit. You ask Jesus, his cross lets you go across the big pit and you're in heaven. I mean, in essence, it's true. Well, what about the in-between of this whole life? It's super hard here. My humanity is very fragile. And he goes, I know. And I'm not actually asking you to power up and power through. I'm actually just saying, Cain, Uncle Cain, where's your heart? Don't take matters into your own hands. It will take you out. We begin to name what is honest and expose it to the light, and we begin to stand in authority. And we start to say, spirit of envy, I actually have authority over this. I actually don't have to be ruled by envy or jealousy or addiction or my own abandonment. I don't have to be ruled by that. I need to expose the underneath desire of my heart. But the outcome is the enemy. And I don't have to, I don't have to bow to it. So in the name of Jesus, I bind you in envy. And I send you to the feet of God to be judged for what you're doing to me. I have authority, I have, Jesus loves me, but you signed the contract with envy, he didn't. So you have to break the contract with envy by his power with your mouth. You have to take partnership into your sanctification. You don't just pray and Jesus juice lands on you, just doesn't work that way. You gotta partner in God with your healing The last two things i'll say here a word that no one really likes it's my favorite my second favorite word out of the bible outside of salvation that's a good one we have to repent we have to repent for the places where our heart has been bound we think of repentance as condemnation it's not condemnation For there is no condemnation for those that are in Jesus. So what is repentance? Repentance says, I actually, by the power of God, have the authority to break the bonds with whatever's keeping me stuck. My depression, my anxiety doesn't mean it's going to go away, but it now no longer by my repentance has power over me. That's the beauty of repentance. I no longer have to be here. I can turn and come into the Father's arms and say, won't you be accepted? I've been waiting for you. Jesus, I've been really mad. I'm just so glad you're here. My blood covers it. But I want to talk about what it's been like for you. How are you? Why are you so frustrated? Why are you so despondent? And if you hear those words through condemnation, who's really saying them? Your father, your mother, your pastors, not one's here. (laughs) But who's that voice? And if this whole conversation makes you uncomfortable, ask yourself why, why? Why, when she's talking, do I want to go like this, but the desperate parts of me wants to go, please come closer. Please get away. I don't like how you're exposing things in my marriage. I don't like how you're exposing the trueness of my heart. It's making me feel shame. Hear this friend. This is not the voice of shame. This is the voice of the father that's saying, come home. What is right is not your behavior. I'll take care of that. What is right is your heart being presented before me. Emotionally, healthy, spirituality is you bringing your fragile little boy and little girl heart just like Roma did. Say, I'm scared. I don't know how to fix this. I don't know how to make it right. I don't know how to stop my brain doing what it does. This is what is being offered. And it is in this that we can seek heavenly wisdom rather than earthly. Earthly wisdom says, you are on your own and you better take it. Godly wisdom says, I will never leave you or forsake you. And when you are in the valley of the shadow of death, we will feast together. We'll have a chocolate croissant and a strawberry acai, and we'll do it in front of the enemies of your emotions, the enemies of the lies that have had you bound. How will we get better? How will we be free? By grieving what it's meant to be a part of a very harsh world, and yet On earth, as it is in heaven, is the promise. When we bring our emotions before the Lord, they aren't bad, they're a window and an invitation back to the garden where shame no longer has power and intimacy is restored. I'll leave you with this, Psalm 37. Do not be agitated by evil doers, and they're all around us, Do not envy those who do wrong for they wither quickly like grass and wilt like tender greens but trust in the Lord and do what is good. Dwell in the land and live securely even when it's upside down you are safe with me. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. Oh, to have desire awakened again. To awaken to life and not be numbed out because it's all too much. When we commit our way to the Lord and trust in Him, He will act, making your righteousness shine like the dawn and your justice like the noonday. You don't have to fight so hard to stay away from your body, you don't have to fight so hard to shove him down, to silence him, to shame her. But God says, when you come to me, I will make your righteousness shine and your justice will be like the noonday. This is a gift. Please, friends, our world needs you to name your own pain Because in return, you can take others where you're willing to go. That's the gift. That's free people, freeing people, right? Let me pray. God, we just know that in this moment, yeah, I'm just feeling a sense from you, God. I see the tears in this room. No shame. I see the leaning in of some of the men in this room that know, could it possibly be that there's healing for me in some of these most heartbreaking places? I know there's others of your children in this room where you are pricking something in their heart and it all feels too risky. Too unsafe to allow their heart to be open because we have stories of opening our hearts to people that loved us and we were rejected and abandoned and mocked. And yet, I think you know something of this. For you are not a high priest who sits on high, who cannot empathize with our weaknesses, our brokenness, our hurts, and you say to our hearts, come won't you be accepted? And so Lord, I just pray right now as we sing this song, as we sing to come to the altar, our broken places before we leave, God, just help them stay in the room physically and emotionally and spiritually just for a few more moments. Would you speak God past the behavior and into the core, into the depths to reveal to bring up, to go underneath envy and start to speak to the dissatisfied places, the broken, heartbroken places. Restore with an echo, church, God, a beacon of hope, not because we are fixing everybody, not because we are solving everyone's problems, but because we will choose to hold the story and let you do the healing. That is our commitment but we can't take others farther, than we're willing to go ourselves. So help us start with us so that this city and this world and the remnant that you're raising up will bring goodness in the land of the living. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Stories to be held. I know for me personally, that line has shaped my life over the past couple years when I first heard Carrie speak and personally attending Freedom Academy. And that is my heart for you today. That God wants to unpack your story, and there's so much freedom when we face it, when we name it, when we say it, and when we start seeking God with the things in our life, things that have shaped us for the good and the bad. Thank you, Carrie, for the timely word. Thank you for going there. And we can handle it, right? Yes. So, yes, we can cheer and clap. Thank you for giving us a beautiful word and speaking life into us today. And if you are new here today, I just want to say good morning. Thank you for joining us. It is our heart to connect with you. There is a connect card. Please fill it out. You can stop at the info table on the way out. We want to connect with you every single day. My heart is to connect and just to, to get to know you and to help you in your next steps and help you discover your purpose. And so, Every week, one of my favorite things we do here at Echo is we say a prayer and they're gonna put it up on the screen. Whether you're near or far from God, if you've said this multiple times or this is your first time, this is a way that we respond. This is a way that we let God in and we give him control. And so let's say this prayer together. Jesus, I surrender. I have more questions than answers and I choose to follow you anyway. I acknowledge that you lived, you died, and you rose again, all with us in mind. I accept the rescue that you offer. Save me and lead me in Jesus' name and his authority. Amen. Let's clap for those who said that prayer for the very first time.